Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Talking City podcast for the Manchester Evening News. I'm Rich Fay, and I am delighted to be joined by Stu Brennan. Hello there, Rich. And by Tyrone Marshall. Hello. And you both had the pleasure of going to the Etihad on Saturday afternoon. Another straightforward win for Pep Guardiola's side. On paper, the final win looks like another day at the office, but I guess that's just the uh, the credit that City deserves, Stu, for, for making such affairs seem so easy. Yeah, you always get the players coming off afterwards. I mean, I'm, I'm lucky enough to go in the tunnel and you, you have a chat with them every now and then. And you uh, and they always say how hard they had to work for the victory. And yet you're thinking, it didn't look that hard, to be honest with you. It looks like just another bog standard. But that, that City do have the knack of making it. They do work hard, you know. You don't you don't win like that. I, I mean, I know, Burnley have the, the best Premier League opposition out there. But they're they're a tough enough outfit, and they and they, they defended. You know, they they came and set up defensively. So you've got to work hard to break them down. Uh, but City have just got this knack of of working hard. They know what they're doing. They know exactly how to to cope with teams like that who sit in and defend. And once they get the noses in front, it's just then a case of usually it's just a case of of how many they score. Um, and I think that was the case on Saturday. Yeah, and Tyrone again it it highlighted Pep's respect for the cup I know we seem to mention it every week but that defeat against Wigan still so fresh in his mind and you can tell that he he is really keen on on going as far as possible and no complacency again from City no definitely not I mean he did play a fairly strong team at at Wigan when they lost last year Um, he said after the game how much he wanted to get past the stage where they'd lost last year and you know you, you get the impression that he is a bit of a football romantic and you know, the the FA the FA Cup's a funny one in that a lot of people in this country now just laugh it off and say, you know, it's it's a complete irrelevance. No one particularly enjoys it anymore. And there we are, Pep's on the phone to Stu right now, telling him just how important it is. <laughs> Imagine if that happened in the presser later on. It's <laughs> uh, a fine that. Good to get out of the system fine now. In the isn't presser. It? That well, happened to me in a Fergie press conference many years ago, and I had a, I had a classical music ringtone, and he, he turned to me and said. <laughs> Is that right, man enough? <laughs> I'm right on the clue. <laughs> I wonder what Pep will say later on when it goes off. We'll have to wait and see. But as you were saying, Tyrone, yes. before we were so rudely interrupted. Indeed, yes. He's, um, you know, to, to, to people outside the country, the FA Cup probably still holds a bit more lost than it does to people in this country. And as a bit of a football romantic, you can imagine that it's a, a trophy that Pep quite likes to win. It it does sort of immortalise its winners over the years and, you know, cup winning sides do go down in history. So you can imagine that it is a comp... I mean, I think Guardiola wants to win every competition especially, but, you know, the FA Cup, it is the oldest cup competition in the world. There is a certain amount of... It's like you're selling it for PR now. I know, yeah, I know. I mean, the FA have done their best to devalue it, but there is a certain amount of romanticism still about it. So you can imagine that it is a, a competition that Guardiola's pretty keen to win while he's in this country. Yeah, definitely, and uh, it's always gonna. It's the one domestic club competition he's not won yet in in charge of of City, so he'll be keen to to do that. And he's also got another trip to to Wembley coming up, which we'll maybe talk about in a brief second later on. But uh, Stu, uh, interesting to see. I know we spoke last week when Cheesy was here that um, he he himself was not predicting Fernandinho to be involved at the weekend. But I guess again that just typifies the point we made that he was taking it really seriously that he did start the game. Yeah, I mean, I, I described on Saturday as the, the biggest shock of FA Cup weekend, the fact that he was in the starting lineup because he, you know, we, we spend our time in the run-ups of the game trying to predict who's who's going to play. I mean, second-guessing Pep's always difficult because he comes up with left-field selections all the time. He plays players when you least expect it, um, and that that was one. You know, 
if you had to pick one player who wouldn't play, you would say Fernandinho. You know, there's just no need. Um, I mean, not only that, they need to, they need to find ways of coping without him. Um, we saw Kevin De Bruyne take that role at Burton in the in the second leg last week, and I thought they might do that with De Bruyne again, just to give him another another game in that position, or maybe Gundogan in that position to give him another game. But perhaps it is a sign of of. Uh, of, of the fact that Pep really wants the trophy or perhaps it's just a sign of he thought Fernandinho has missed you know wasn't hasn't played for a while he, he he wants to play all the time so maybe he's had a word and said look you know I feel I feel I might benefit from just having a game um, he didn't have to play at full tilt he wasn't he wasn't flying here and everywhere he just sort of controlled the midfield um, strolled around and did enough so uh, no harm done but you kind of think if he had to pull something or got a bang somewhere along the line, Pep would have got pelters for it. But if there's any manager who can live with that, it's, it's him because he's, his track record stands comparison with anybody. But but yeah, it was it was it was a major it was a major surprise, especially with so many games coming up. Yeah, you know they've now got uh, four league games on the bounce where you probably want Fernandinho to play in every one now whether he can do that I don't know whether the fact that De Bruyne has been trialled in that that holding midfield role uh, is an indication that Pep doesn't think Fernandinho can play in all of them I don't know but uh, I mean only time will tell with that one but yeah it was, it was a major surprise yeah maybe also a bit surprising to see Edison playing goal but I guess it's not uh, I mean it is a strong team Edison does need to get games as well because he's been rested in some of the cups this season already. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it'd probably be different if Claudio Bravo was fit. I don't think that Pep would, would feel he could leave Bravo out. But Murich is still a young lad. Mm. He's had his, you know, it's unexpected really that he would be on the bench this season. He was he was supposed to spend the season out on loan and got a late recall. So you know, it's a bit of a bonus for him having played the the, the Carabao Cup games. Uh, whether he plays in the final is a is a good shout or not because it's. You know, again against Chelsea at Wembley, it's a big occasion. Um, Pep will want to win it. He'll probably want to put his strongest team out, and that'll probably mean Murich standing aside. Bravo wouldn't. I'm pretty sure yeah. uh, because you, you you probably can't treat a senior goalkeeper like that. Um, but Murich is like an unexpected number two, very much a junior, uh, and it'll be a lot easier to to, to tell yeah. that he's not playing kind of thing. Um, so so yeah, I mean. The fact that Edison has played both FA Cup games is is quite telling as well, you know, as to how much Pep wants to win that. I mean, he, keep, he keeps denying it, but <laughs> the four trophies are still on, and you can bet your life at the back of his head, he's thinking we can do this. We can, we can, even though he'll do, he'll he'll deny it until the cows come home that they're going for all four. They've got a chance of winning all four trophies. He's definitely got his eye on winning all four trophies. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, and it was interesting before we came on air. We talked about De Bruyne's performance as well. Tyrone, there was Ooh. maybe a bit of a debate. So maybe even got three assists at the weekend. One of them was an own goal. But what did you make of De Bruyne's performance? And do you think he is maybe getting into a position where he's going to be a guaranteed starter again? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I thought I, I thought it was his best game since he's returned. Probably thought he was excellent, and you know, he ran the show in midfield. And some of his, you know, he just sees passes that you just don't see that are on. There was one in the first half where he picked out Gundogan and just this floated ball over the defence and it just didn't look on and unfortunately Gundogan's touch let him down and, uh, and Nick Pope pounced on it. But, he, you know, it was, he looked back to his best there and it was interesting that he said, um, said after that Huddersfield game too, Stu, I think that he needs his rhythm back and, and wanting to play a run of games to get his rhythm back and then 
has suddenly started three in a row, started both these cup games. And you can see what he was saying now because he did look on, on Saturday like he was, you know, he had that momentum back and he was back in the groove and, and he looked back to his best. And if he can produce that between now and May, then, you know, I mean, that is going to be a major weapon for City to have in the second half of the season, a fresh De Bruyne who's determined to make up for lost time. And if he can reproduce those performances, then, you know, City, City are in for a treat, I think, in the second half of the season, if so. Yeah. I, I spoke to him after the game. Uh, and he, he said that he, he felt he'd found another gear in that game. You know, it's all, it's taken him a while because he actually made his comeback at Leicester in the Carabao yeah. Cup game before Christmas. Uh, so he's, 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 it's like he's sort of taken a little bit longer than normal to to get himself 100% right. And that's probably quite wise because in the past he's, he's come rushing back from injury. He's played 90 minutes when you wouldn't expect him to and he's ended up getting injured again. Um, so it's, it's probably wise, but he, he he told me that he you know he, he feels that he found that extra gear against Burnley that was perhaps missing beforehand, um, and I, I said, well, you've got three games in a week coming up now. This is before we knew that Everton uh, were rear- was rearranged, so make it made it even tougher. Um, I said, you know, last season you played game in, game out. Will you expect to, you know, do you think you, you'd be capable of playing in those three games? And he sort of said, well, I don't really know. Uh, of course, I, and it's quite telling. He said, I, the squad is bigger this season. Um, so, you know, I expect there to be more rotations. Well, perhaps he's not expecting to play. Last season he was phenomenal because I was looking at the stats. He played, he played every Premier League game apart from United. In, uh, when the, the title was pretty much wrapped up and the game fell between the two Champions League quarter-final legs uh, and the other one he missed was, was Brighton at home and when again the, the title had been wrapped up um, and he was just given, given the day off um, I think he was on the bench actually um, so you know last season was incredible he played every Champions League game as well apart from the two that were sort of dead rubbers Shakhtar yeah. Donetsk at home and, and Basel at home um, so not only did he play and play and play he played at a high level week in week out and he it, it was, it, it was telling us towards you know sort of three quarter stage of the season he did feel tired but he was going to see it through and like Ty said this season he's, he's, you know, he's been out for most of the season it's like having a fresh player from the word go but he's still not expecting to play every game uh, and that is perhaps testimony to Bernardo Silva and the way he's come through. He did, last season, I, I feel you, Pep was probably thinking we can't do it without Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. Go to Newcastle tomorrow night. Pep is probably thinking I could leave him on the bench and, and you know keep him fresh for Arsenal on Sunday, um, or vice versa. You know, we could play Bernardo against Arsenal. Um, so you know, Kevin De Bruyne is still a brilliant world class player. But he's not as indispensable as he was simply because Bernardo has come through so well. Yeah, another maybe warm selection decision that uh, the Pep Guardiola has up front, one that's not going to worry too much, is the Jesus Aguero debate, which Ooh. rages on every weekend, every time City play. Um, after the weekend, Jesus said that he's on fire this season, he's thinking he's playing some of the best football of his career. What have you made so far? Of, maybe in the character, because there was, you don't have to go back a month, and there were doubts, Ooh. and we've even had it on the podcast saying, was he maybe the player that, that we thought he was initially, yeah. living up to the hype and being the, the number nine for, for Brazil, but... He deserves a lot of credit for the way he's, he's overcome this test. He does, yeah. And he, he's kind of put the discussion of, of who City's go-to striker is back on the agenda. When he first signed and, and made that flying start, there was that expectation that he would take Aguero's place. It's not worked out like that. Credit 
for which has to go to Aguero as well, I think, because, you know, he's, he's improved under Pep dramatically. Um, but yeah, Jesus' form has put that back on the agenda. Um, he was, you know, he was poor in the first half of the season. He, he'd have the odd game, the hat-trick against Shakhtar, where he looked back to his best, but, you know, he just couldn't find the consistency and the confidence looked to be lacking, but he's completely turned it around over the last month. Like City, he's in an amazing run of goal scoring form and I thought he was really good on Saturday and it was some of his runs he was making on Saturday you know, Burnley played three centre-halves and, and he managed to occupy pretty much all of them. The run he made for the first goal to just run across and get in behind and, and pick out Danilo's pass was fantastic. And he gave all three, because it was three against one in there, he gave all three of their centre-halves a difficult time and it was the intelligence in his play that, that really stood out on Saturday. So, you know, he's probably not a Serp to Aguero just yet. If you were picking your best team tomorrow, you'd probably have Aguero in there. But I think he's he's certainly put that discussion back on the agenda and credit has to go to him for that you can tell his confidence is back now yeah you can I think Pep, the thing is Pep can trust him again now mm-hmm. he can he can rotate the, the strikers quite easily you know he'll have no qualms about putting Jesus in against Newcastle on Tuesday or indeed against Arsenal on Sunday uh, and, and knowing he'll do a job but he couldn't have done that earlier in the season it would have to be Aguero if you want to win the game because he couldn't take the risk on, on Jesus missing the chances he's putting the chances away now Um I'm going to do a bit of name dropping again because I actually spoke to Jesus as well after the game on on Saturday and uh, he I asked him about the fact that with Benjamin Mendy coming back um, it's no longer a case of either or they don't necessarily yeah. have to rotate them you know Mendy gives City a new option they can play three at the back and he, he becomes uh, left wing back and they, they can play Aguero and Jesus together and we've seen in the past how devastating that can be. So uh, that that is a new option. And, and Jesus was keen to say, you know, how, how much he loves playing with Aguero. And he said, and I think I think he likes playing with me. And they certainly last season they had that little spell of three games, um, well before Mendy got injured. Um, they beat Liverpool five nil. They beat Feyenoord four nil. And they beat Watford six yeah. nil away. Mm. Uh, so it was like in a week they scored 15 goals and uh, between them that they got nine of them Jesus and Aguero and the City looked absolutely devastating I mean Aguero in that Watford game was just completely unplayable he's, he's one of the best performances I've, I've seen not just from him but from, from any Premier League striker um, I mean Watford weren't great shakes that day but still you know I, th- I think I think Jesus and Aguero absolutely ran them ragged Um so you know the two players who who defenders dread coming up against when they play on their own but if you can fit both of them into the team um, well you know it doesn't bear thinking about you wouldn't want to be a centre back having to come up against that of course the problem being if you play Mendy in, in, a, in a five Leo Sane he's usually the man to miss out can you drop Leo Sane yeah. the four <laughs> they're all nice selection problems for, for, for Pep Guardiola though and uh, I'm sure he'll he always mixes and matches anyway, so I'm sure we will see Aguero and Jesus teamed up at some point in the rest of the season. But we'll also see Mendy playing as a straight left back, Sane in front of him, which again could be quite devastating. Yeah, when you think about it. Yeah, we saw Mendy miss out again on the weekend as he sort of he, they take precaution over him in his comeback. Mm. But um, in his absence, there's got to be a lot of credit for Danilo the way that he's come into the, the first team. He's mm. been maybe the best fullbacks that he've had all season in a way. Yeah, and his, you know his versatility's been key in that because he played right back and left back in in recent weeks. Uh, I think he started seven of the last nine games now, which is easily the best run of his 
of his City career and he was barely getting a sniff earlier in the season he's another one who, who Stu sort of said the trust before and you can tell Danilo has won Guardiola's trust recently and he, he is happy to play him at right back and left back and when Mendy's back you wouldn't be surprised if Danilo was putting a lot of pressure on Kyle Walker for his place there the versatility helps but he's really sort of you know he, he's proven himself to Guardiola and to City fans recently even with Mendy's injury earlier in the season you, you didn't see much of Danilo there was no expectation particularly that, that he was going to fill in at left back it was presumed it would be Delft but he's been excellent recently and he's, he's given he's given Guardiola another option at right back and also at left back and, and sort of taking the pressure off having to use Delph and Zinchenko there which I think is huge for, for Guardiola yeah credit to him just being a model professional and staying mm. grounded and not sort of throwing his toys at the pram and saying that I'm not getting the games I want I mean this is a Champions League winner he's not someone who's just maybe a squad player just happy to get games mm. so all credit to him um, finally after, on the Burnley game after the game Sean Dyche said that City could perhaps win everything this season I know we've already spoken about it I know Pep if he gets asked today in his press conference will just say no 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 again as, he'll probably swear again actually. yeah like he has done in the <laughs> but uh and it's the elephant in the room and we've got to discuss it do you think that um, I mean, we were having the discussions last season do you think enough has changed from last season for it to be different this, se- this year that they could win everything um, or do you think it is going to come down to the fine margins the luck and we spoke about the Champions League it's a knockout competition yeah I, I, I don't I don't think it's it's possible I mean United came closest obviously with a treble in in um, I think it was, you know, I'm going to get pelters for this, but I think it was easier than, than it is now. I don't think that the competition was as great, um, certainly not in Europe. Um, I, so I, th- I think the treble is harder now to win. So by dint of that, the quadruple is nigh on impossible. I'd, I'd be staggered if anybody did it, never mind City. Mm. Uh, City are probably the, the team best equipped to do it, certainly the English teams. Um, but I, I don't see it. The, the only thing you would say in the fact, if he can keep everybody fit for the rest of the season so he can keep rotating and keep play, keep players fresh, they've got the squad to do it. But you just you just look at, like you look at Fernandinho and think, can he just play and play and play? I'm not sure he can. Uh, so you're going to have to rotate, which means weakening. Something's got to give somewhere along the line. We, we've seen the Everton game rearranged for February the 6th now. That's five games in 12 days, I make it, which is a big ask. Um, they have got a good squad, um, but they've got key weaknesses uh, in that squad. And if they get a, if Fernandinho gets a knock or a suspension, which he's always liable to get the way he plays, um, if Mendy's fitness doesn't hold up, if Kevin De Bruyne's fitness doesn't hold up, these are all problems. If they can keep them all fit and keep them all in form, it's an outside possibility but I, I wouldn't be putting any money on it I wouldn't be putting a fiver on it never mind my house ok I'll get rid of my bets and I'll cash out while I can <laughs> uh, Ty I mean maybe a different question for you is what, which trophy do you think is the hardest for City to win this season do you think it's the Premier League or the Champions League um, talk about the permutations of the Champions League it depends who you get drawn against a red card a suspension can really pay, pay dividends in that but it's a difficult one really because You'd fancy City are going to beat Schalke, so they're into the last eight there. Um, at the moment, you'd probably say the Premier League's the hardest for them to win because they're four points behind against a team who've dropped so few points. So, as we sit here now... <sighs> I, mean, it, I should have warned you about this question. You should have warned me about this question, yeah. Thanks for that, Rich. Yeah, but I guess I, In circumstance, it's probably the Premier League at the moment because they are four points behind. But 
the competition in the Champions League is huge. And obviously there's more big teams in there than just competing against Liverpool. But the Champions League is in City's hands. They know what they need to do to win that. The Premier League is not in City's hands. Yeah, so. It's Liverpool's to lose the Premier League. Exactly. So I guess Champions that makes City's it the harder one for City to win because they're not in control of their own destiny there. So do you agree with that? I think the FA Cup might be the idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in a way, I, suppose, I was joking, but in a way, I suppose it is because that something's got to give. He's going to play strongest team in Premier League and Champions League when he can. Something's got to give, and he'll, he'll play a weaker team in the FA Cup. So you know that it might get a bit tougher. But yeah, I do. I, I, it's like Ty said. It, it, if City were ahead like they were last season, you would fancy them to win the Premier League. They've just got to wait. There's only 15 games left. We keep waiting for Liverpool to have the slip, you know, for them to get an injury or two, for uh, you know, to keep players, um, for them to have a little wobble. And they just keep getting, they got away with it against Palace a little bit. I thought they looked really flaky in that game. Mm. They looked like a team who were having a little bit of a crisis. Uh, but they, they get lucky with a with a goalkeeping error of, of great proportion. They, they happened against Everton when they, they looked like they were going to drop a couple of points in the, in the Merseyside derby. Um, they just keep getting away with them. You kind of think if they can keep they keep getting away with it like that they'll win the league there's no doubt about it but will they will, will they you know the pressure isn't going to be on in these last 15 games uh, City have been there before um, and it's just a case of keep winning if, 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 if City win these these four I mean four huge games yeah. uh, Newcastle away in a snow forecast isn't going to be great up there um, and then there's Arsenal and Chelsea at home with Everton in the middle away and that'll be tough we always that'll speak about Everton such a tough game for City I know we said it last season they made it look easy last season didn't they but prior to that Everton away is always Everton away yeah they were a bogey team for a long long time what what concerns me a little bit I, I suspect that Kevin De Bruyne will have given them their, their motivation as well because don't you remember last season City went to Goodison and we were talking about that then oh it's a bogey ground it's always tough going there and City wiped the floor with them they beat them 3-0 they were brilliant absolute one of the performances of the season and we interviewed Kevin De Bruyne afterwards and he said you could see it in the Everton players' faces. They had no idea what to do. We, you know, you could see they, could, they couldn't handle it. They couldn't cope with us. Now, if I'm the Everton manager, that'll be plastered all around the, the dressing room. Look, look what he said about you last season. This total disrespect. It wasn't. It wasn't at all. It was. He was just being completely honest. Um, so going to Everton will be a really tough game. Uh, we just have to hope that Everton. Um, don't want Liverpool to win the title much, as much of, of the rest of the country don't want Liverpool <laughs> to win the title it could work in their favour um, we've got deadline day coming up this week doesn't look like City are going to, to get anyone maybe in maybe we've got that Ante, Ante Parelza deal that's been uh, cracking on for a while apparently talks are still continuing over that Stu you always said that was you said two weeks ago that there was no deal in place yet despite some of the conflicting reports but yeah. um, I guess the, the big bit of news for City is that it looks like Robbie Matondo will be leaving for the Bundesliga it sounds like he's close to a move to, to Schalke but reports in Germany from Bild say that there will be a release clause included in any deal do you think this is a wise bit of business from City or do you think it is just is, do you think it's amplified by the fact that Brahim and Sancho have already gone uh, uh, it's certainly amplified a bit by that I mean it's interesting times for for City's academy and for all top flight academies with this sort of Bundesliga exodus you're seeing it at Chelsea at the moment with with Callum Hudson-Odoi and it's 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 going to be difficult to see how academies in England play this because you can't produce these first team opportunities from nowhere 
Um, I mean, theoretically, I suppose you could argue it's a little bit of a lack of ambition. Foden stayed because he's convinced he's going to get his chances. The others have left because they don't think they will. Well, you've got to be good enough to get the chances. And perhaps they don't think they're good enough or perhaps they think they need the chances earlier. But, you know, City's Academy is not going to produce many first-teamers because of the quality of that first team. But it will want to produce, you know, two or three that can fit in that squad. What it doesn't want is to start producing players that just get flogged off to the Bundesliga. I mean, okay, that can help finance it, but that's not ultimately the end game for City's Academy, just like it's not the end game for, for Chelsea's Academy. So they won't want to see too many players taken that route and when you see three taking it the you know the 14 15 16 olds in the academy now might be thinking you know let's keep an eye open here they don't want to sign too long a contract so it's uh, it's interesting times for academies in this country and and how exactly they sort of try and stop this this threat of the bundesliga I, Go on, I, I think i think one of the keys to it is is finding more local players the difference between Foden and the others is Foden's a Stockport mm. lad he's been sort of steeped in City and uh, he feels at home here uh, Jaden Sancho didn't Jaden Sancho came from elsewhere um, Rabbi Matondo has done exactly the same he doesn't feel he's you know deep in his core he doesn't feel that he's a City player he's, he's, he's a professional footballer who's got to look where he's going to go um, City have got a lot of good young local lads coming through um, who have got City sort of running through them yeah um, and I, I think that that's that's part of it. You know, you can't blame Sancho because he doesn't owe any massive allegiance to City. He came here at 15. Uh, Brahim Diaz did as well. He was 15, 16. And Rabbi Matondo hasn't been hasn't been there very long. So I, I think that's the that's the challenge. It's, it's all very well bringing in players uh, at 15, 16 years old. Um, I mean, Brexit might affect this because you, you, you won't be able to bring players in. You, so the focus is going to get more and more on developing young English players. Um, so that is up to City to, to get those players in, get them early, if the local lads, and, and bring them right through as they've done with Foden. And there's one or two coming up. You know, you look, you look in the the under-18s and you see Tommy Doyle there, who's, who's absolutely, you couldn't get more, yeah. more City than him, could you, you know? Um a uh, young lad Taylor Howard Bellis who who's stop another Stockport lad who's uh, who's been been at the club since he was a nipper. Um so you, these are the kind of players you've got to really try and focus on. I mean it, it's worked well for City. I mean Ty says that they don't want to be selling players on but they, they're in an in an Still era successful. of FFP, yeah. they, they are making a lot of money out of the academy. Yeah. I mean United started doing this years and years ago and it was it was a part of their business. Uh, and City are making making good money. You know, you, you get in, you get in. What did they get for Diaz? It was. Uh, I wrote the story. I can't it was like, was it fifteen million going 15, up? Yeah, twenty two. Going up to twenty two. Yeah. yeah. So you know, twenty two million for somebody who, who's not really played in the first team. Angus Gunn, twelve million, never played in the yeah. first team. Kalachi, I know Kalachi. Actually, strictly speaking, wasn't the only touched down in the academy briefly, but twenty five million. So it, it's good business. You know, they, they make it, making money on these players, and, and everybody wins because these young players are getting a career. They're getting first team opportunities that they want. City are making a bit of money, and some other club is getting the benefit of, of, of what City are bring. You know, the training that City are giving these people, everything they're getting input. So, um, so yeah, it, it makes sense commercially. But like Ty said, you, you know, you want to produce players for the first team. That's a point of the academy, really, the number one point. But, you know, there are subsidiary points to it as well. Yeah, I guess it's always just going to 
so it can be twisted whichever whatever your views towards city are isn't it you can either see it as a negative or as a success of the academy and that i guess is just for it's, each individual to, yeah, it's to make a, up themselves it's a balancing act they won't mind selling two or three players a year to fund the academy and ffp if they're keeping their best players yeah. and the best players are getting into the first team. Like you said, Sancho, I mean, Sancho, Brahim and Matondo are all playing in positions which are so heavily stacked on the wings. They've already got play, got Mahrez who's not happy to be playing games. You've got to either drop so, like Sane or Sterling. One of them can easily yeah. miss out every week as well. So. Yeah, it's difficult to, to find a chance, but you know, the very best kids will get their chance. That's Foden us. Remember that, kids. Motivation from Remember Tyrone Marshall. Work if you're hard. Good enough, your you'll chance get will your come. Chance. People are watching it. Um, finally, Newcastle game on Tuesday night. You've already mentioned the, so, the snow stew. Are you feeling a treacherous journey up ahead to, well, to the North East? Well, I, mean, I, I, still, I still have nightmares about going to Arsenal last season during the Beast from the East. That was a, an absolute shocker. So going to the North East in a possible blizzard is uh, it's, it's sort of Nanook territory, isn't it? Um, <laughs> So I'll I'll get my shovel and I'll get me uh, my thermals <laughs> and and my, my stock of Mars bars and uh, head off up to the northeast. But uh, it, it does. I mean, I, I still remember last season's game at Newcastle. You know, you, you look at it from the outside and you think the city are absolutely tied on, but it was a tough, tough game. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you remember it, but um, well, and Shelby took a shot from the kickoff. Newcastle kicked off and they basically John Joe Shelby shot from the halfway line and then the entire Newcastle team retreated <laughs> into their third of the pitch. <laughs> and you kind of think, oh, I can see how this one's going to go. And it, they, they played the entire game like that. But they were they, good value. Didn't they hit the posters? They had a good chance late they, on. They did, like, Ayers Perez yeah. uh, nearly scored. And, and then if that, that goes in, Benitez is completely justified. Yeah. But Benitez felt completely justified anyway because what, he, what he, he was thinking was if we only lose one nil to City, great, yeah. relegation could come down to goal difference. Other, te- other teams down there are getting panned 6 nil by City. This could keep us up, only losing one nil yeah. to City, which is a strange way of looking at it. But uh, you kind of get his, you kind of get his drift. Uh, and City, City managed one. Um, I think that was a Kevin De Bruyne pass, and Sterling, similar to the one yeah. that Ty mentioned for uh, for Gundogan on Saturday. A little chip over the top, and Sterling went through and, and managed to nudge past the keeper. So it was it was a really tight, difficult game. Uh, and Kevin De Bruyne said said that as well. You know. We know they're going to be compact. They know exactly how they're going to play. Uh, it's just down to us to break them down. I think. I think that's one reason I would play De Bruyne at Newcastle because he gives you that. He gives you that, that threat, defense, threat from yeah. outside the box. You know, Mares can score from outside the box, but City tend to try and play their way through defences and score tappings, um, whereas De Bruyne can unleash one from 25 yards. And I think that's a really big weapon when you're playing against teams who, who sit deep and and just stack players behind the ball because you can get deflections or anything. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's, a, it's a big part of the game. I think in contrary, that could maybe give Mahrez a chance on Tuesday night. That's maybe what he's best at when it's maybe a bit more methodically approaching. You've got to unlock a, a defence that's just sat back behind you because there's not going to be too many chances on the break, are there, for City to, to use Sane and Sterling? No, no, but I mean, Sane gives you that. Sane goes past players. Uh, Sterling does, and Sterling's also got that knack of popping up at the right in the right yeah. place at the right time. Uh, even in a crowded penalty area, he's got he gets on the end of a lot of stuff, uh, as well as as well as that. And those two really are both ahead of Mares. Uh, and I, I, unless Mares improves drastically, I think uh, it's got to remain that way. Yeah, you feel it's going to be the same sort of approach then from Newcastle. They're going to sit deep. It's going to be a case of just City having to work them out and see 
how many goals they can score. Yeah, I mean, Benitez has been criticised for this approach in the past, but if there's one thing we know about Rafa Benitez is that he doesn't care what people think about him or his team. So it will be exactly the same. It'll be, you know, very deep, very defensive. Um, and he will feel he will feel justified and, and probably feel he's making a point in that as well. So there might have to be a bit of patience. You know, where these games change, if City can get an early goal, then you know, at some point it's going to have to change it. But the longer it stays nil-nil, you know, City going to have to show that patience. And like I say, having that threat of De Bruyne from distance can also just help draw the defence out a bit and, and create a bit more space in behind. So, you know, it, it, that's a good option to have. But yeah, it could well be a night that's about about patience and just sort of waiting for your chance. And that's not just because of Stu's journey where he could be stuck on whatever road he's on. Who knows where it's going to be? But the A1. The A1 up north. Glamorous job, isn't it? It is. It is. It is. It's got corner services. The high life. That's what it is. <laughs> we'll see. Well, let's hope you come back for next week's podcast. You'll have to wait and see. We've got deadline day later this week. And then, as we said, this big fixture schedule coming up. But thank you very much for joining us on the Talking City podcast. Pleasure. Please do tweet in any questions you might have for, for the panel next week. We might even be back later in the week, depending how exciting deadline day gets, but don't hold us to that one. We sh- will see, but we'll definitely be back next week. Please make sure to leave a review and a like and subscribe if you haven't already.